Well, what an honour and privilege it is to be with you again today. I know many, many faces. Um, some of you perhaps don't know me. My name's Howard. I'm the executive pastor of Alive. I live in Lincoln uh, with my wife, Claire, and we've got three boys. Um, and um, I worship as part of Alive, uh, and my location that I most frequently am at is our Lincoln location. But I get to see all of our locations and the work that we're doing across this region, which is just fantastic. And I could bring today a word of encouragement to us. First and foremost, Marge, um, just superb. Thank you for your testimony this morning. Thank you for the courage to bring a testimony like that today. It says in Revelation 12 that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And uh, what's happened in this place this morning is the testimony of God, it's, it's erased faith in all of us, you know, if God can do this for March, he can do this in circumstances and situations that you and I perhaps are facing or may face. Also, I uh, want to thank Chris today for your word at the beginning of communion. The Holy Spirit has got a plan for today because I don't need to preach today. You've preached my notes. Um, your word this morning uh, in line with, you know, there are sometimes there are surprises in life. Sometimes there are things that wake us up in the morning and we didn't expect that they were coming. And uh, I've got a word uh, for those of us who are in that season today, but also those of us, this might be a word of preparation, a word for a season that may be coming. It may be also a word of confirmation. Maybe you've been through a season like this. And um, today my title is Stand Up. Last time I was here, uh, my title was Look Up. So I've either got something about the word up or um, God's doing something in when I come and speak. Today it's Stand Up, Six Principles for living in the victory. Six principles for living in the victory or living a life of victory or standing in the victory of God, being an overcomer. And uh, today I want to try and do something a little bit creative. I want to try and marry a a piece of music with scripture. Um, For me personally, music's been an incredible part of my life. Uh, I started to play piano at the age of six. Well, I say that. My mum and dad dragged me along to piano lessons. I went kicking and screaming for the first maybe 10 years of my life. Um, And um, some of my uh, most memorable moments are standing in a very musty old hall uh, going through my piano exams and um, then waiting to get the piece of paper that told me whether I'd passed got a merit or got a distinction. Anyone ever had to go through that horrible process? A few of you? Yeah, absolutely. Just to let you know, I never got a distinction. It's okay. Jesus loves me. (laughs) But music exams and learning to play music was a big part of my upbringing. I'm so thankful for my mum and dad for dragging me to music lessons. Um, And I grew up in a really rich season in the life of the church in sung worship. For me, I grew up in a a period of time where song worship was going through a bit of a revolution. Um, I grew up in a Church of England church, and uh, our Church of England church was a very traditional church, had an organ, uh, occasionally a choir, some of whom could sing. Um, And uh, every so often, we would get the youth band to play, and I was in the youth band. And we had this um, event that we would go to every Easter holiday called Spring Harvest, And we would go to this event and we would get the Spring Harvest songbook and then we would come back to the church the following week or months and we would use that Spring Harvest songbook as some of the new songs 
that were coming into the life of the church. And we sang songs like, shine, Jesus, Jesus, shine. We sang, sang songs like, be still for the presence of the Lord, meekness and majesty. Lots of, some people are nodding in here, yeah, the good old days. Yeah, we like those. And um, so those were the songs that we were bringing into the life of the church. And I was, I suppose, 13. I was running a little youth band and these sort of things. And then I came to university. And at that moment of time, there was a a kind of revolution, even in that phase of revolution of song worship. And that was a band called Delirious. We've just sang one of their songs, Majesty. And they started to uh, bring a new sound into this Christian worship. And me being an 18, 17, 18-year-old at the time, this was kind of, it kind of caught my heart. And I started to grasp this. Actually, worship music is something that is speaking directly to me as well, where the word of God is accompanied by music. I don't know about you, but maybe music has been part of your journey as well. Maybe not. Maybe there's just been moments where you can say, actually, I can remember a time where a song was quite real for me. Uh, for Claire and I, we, when we got married, we, had, or we chose the song for our first dance, which was a song by, by Van Morrison called Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. Does anyone know that song? Yeah. few of you. Okay. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? Well, on the dance floor, that's what we were expecting to hear. The DJ at the time didn't have that particular version of the song. The only version they had of the song was by an Irish folk band called the Pogues. Now, the Pogues are a very different-sounding Irish flavour than Van Morrison is. And um, we just laughed all the way through our first dance because our memory of that song was tarnished forever. And um, maybe you've got similar stories of music that has been married with particular moments in your life. About three or four years ago, um, I, I stumbled across a song written by a, uh, a couple from Worship Central. They were uh, worshipping at HTB in London. And uh, they wrote a song called Stand Up. And this song um, began to speak scriptural truths in a new way. And I started to think, actually, where's this coming from? Where, where in the Bible is this particular song landing? What's it teaching us as a church? And I began to dig into it a little bit, little bit further. And I want to today use that song. And use that song as a reminder, because I find worship songs are not solely for us to sing on a Sunday morning. They they become triggers during the week. They become areas where the word of God becomes alive in me because it's accompanied with music. So I want to use this song, and I want to accompany it with a brilliant portion of scripture from the Old Testament. If you've got your Bibles, while I play the beginning of the song, I'd love you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, we're going to read a great piece of scripture this morning. But just to give you a flavor of the song, I'm going to play you um, just an intro to the song. If you don't know it, um, I'm going to reference the song a few times as we go through this morning, and then I'll tell you where you can get it on iTunes and all that sort of stuff. So this is a song called Stand Up. The history behind us, destiny before us, every heart is bowed down. From the field of battle into greater blessing, nothing left to fear now. When we don't know what to do, what to do, our eyes will be fixed on you, fixed on you. Too mighty for 
Does anyone know it? Oh, a few hands. A few of you. Great stuff. Wonderful. I'd love to read this from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, I'm going to do a slightly abridged version, so keep up with me. It'll come on the screen as well, um, because I'm just going to take a few verses out. But we're going to read the first 30 verses, so uh, we're going to stay in this for a couple of minutes. After this, um, sorry, the title of the passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat defeats Moab and Ammon. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat required, uh, resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in, the front, in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. But now, here are men from Ahmad, Moab, and Mount Sire. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, as he stood in the assembly. And Jehaziel said this, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem. They went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. We're going to leave the passage there this morning. 
I don't know if you've ever been awoken in the morning with one of those phrases that feels a little bit like Jehoshaphat faced. There's a vast army that's coming against you. Sometimes that vast army can look like job loss or it can look like um, a diagnosis. Sometimes it looks like loss. Sometimes it looks like a broken relationship. Sometimes the waking in the morning uh, feels like it's going to come and swamp you. I remember 22 years ago now on Valentine's Day, I was awoken uh, by a knock at the door, my front door. I was a student at the time and uh, living in Lincoln. And uh, it was my fiance at the time knocking on the door. And um, it was early in the morning, and she came with as a bearer of bad news. My mum and dad had phoned her and said, can you go round, because we need to talk to Howard. And uh, that morning, I found out that um, my uncle, who was actually, in my eyes, more like a big brother, a few years older than me, and had lived most of his time in our house as we'd grown up. Uh, he was an RAF pilot of a helicopter and had a helicopter crash uh, that day or the day before, and had died that morning. And um, it's one of those take the wind out of your sails, kind of winded moments where you receive a piece of news. And it's at that moment of time that it does feel, and I'm sure for many of you, you've had similar moments where there's a vast army coming against you. You weren't prepared for this. You weren't ready for it. Also, those moments can feel societally, you know, like a moment we're in at the moment. Brexit feels like one of those moments. You know, we've said in the scriptures here, we don't know what to do. Feels certainly like that. There's a definitely political landscape at the moment, isn't it, that says we don't know what to do. And a couple of people are starting to rise and say, we've got an idea, but actually as a nation, we still don't know what to do. Maybe for a live Wyndham in this season, as a season of transition, there's a bit of feeling of we don't know what to do. But I get a sense that actually this Bible passage today gives us some keys and some indicators of how to live life when we walk through these moments of time. And we live life in the victory of the battle. And um, I've got six points today that I think come from this passage and also from this song that I want us to draw upon and I want us to uh, think on and take from this place. So if you're writing notes, these six things, you can take them on and you can pray them through and you can read through this scripture as we move uh, through this week as well. So let's just give a quick little bit of background. So for those of you who don't know, Jehoshaphat was a priest and he traveled with the Ark of the Covenant. His task, actually, when the Ark was being carried, was to blow the trumpet. So he was a Levitical priest, and he knew what it was to worship. He knew what it was to praise. He actually got a role all around that. So his go-to place of adoration, praise, worship was his starting point. Eventually, he became king of Judah, and at the age of 35, he became, he was coronated as king, crowned as king, and then he reigned for 25 years. He was a very successful king. He had a mighty army for his vast lands. He was one of those kings that actually, in that season and that period of history, was well thought on. And then he gets this news. There is mighty armies assembling against you that are coming your way to attack you. Okay, and that's where we pick up the passage today. So here I think are six principles from this passage that when we face battles will help us to stand and live in the victory. The first one is this, number one, stand firm, stand firm. Our song today, Stand Up, says this, when we don't know what to do, our eyes will be fixed on you. Let's have a listen to that.
complete silence. Let's not listen to that. When we don't know what to do, our eyes will be fixed on you. And the passage says exactly the same, verse 12. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I want to say today that our perspective is vitally important. Where we place our eyes, what we look to in every season of our lives will be the thing that will guide us through. I once heard a story of a young naval officer who um, was going out on the first sortie on the ship that they were on and at that moment of time faced incredible seasickness. Done most of their training on land uh, and this was the first time he was out on the sea, was facing seasickness. And one of the um, petty officers or one of the leaders of the particular sortie that they were on gave him a word of advice. He says, what you're doing at the moment is you are looking at the rock of the waves. You're looking at actually how the boat is moving. If you fix your eyes upon the horizon, the thing that is steadfast, the seasickness will pass. If you fix your eyes on something that is ahead of you and stable, you will actually begin to get accustomed to this and get used to it. There's a great lesson in life there for you and I who are followers of Jesus. When we put our eyes on the one who is steadfast... When we fix our eyes on the solid rock, on the one who is a firm foundation, the one on whom we can build, then actually the rock and the wave of life becomes much easier to circumnavigate and to to navigate through. So I encourage you today, when you don't know what to do, fix your eyes upon Jesus. And that becomes a lesson not only for when you're walking into a battle, but a life lesson that you can make right now in preparation for anything you may face in your walk as a Christian. Stand firm with your eyes fixed firmly on him. Our song then goes on to say this. Stand up. Everybody stand up. Come on, lift your eyes up, see the king. Our God, such a mighty fortress, you are with us, for us, Jesus our king. You see, what we're talking about today is standing firm, but standing firm knowing that there is a high king of heaven who is the ruler and sovereign one who is over all. You're not standing firm on your own strength. You're standing firm on the very principle that God is victorious. When we stand up, when we stand firm, we do that in the knowledge that he is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our defender and our strong tower. He is mighty to save. He is our deliverer and our refuge. He's our strength and our song. He's steadfast, unchanging. He is alpha and omega, beginning and end. The decision to stand comes before the battle. Can I encourage you today? As it says in Ephesians chapter 6, after I've done everything, keep standing. Decide to stand. Now, you can decide what standing looks like for you. But say, what comes my way? I'm going to fix my eyes on the Savior, and I'm going to continue to stand. Billy Graham says it like this. There's a few keys that we can do in order to stand. He says, make sure of your relationship with God the end of our service today, we're going to pray a prayer that if you're not yet sure that you're in a relationship with God, let's leave this place today with full assurance that you're in relationship with him. Secondly, learn to walk with God. That's called discipleship. That's what you and I are doing as Christians. We're walking with God, walking with each other. 
Then Billy Graham says this, assimilate scripture. In other words, allow the word of God to become part of your very life. Pray continually, Billy Graham goes on on to say. And then he says this, mediate, uh, sorry, not mediate, meditate on Christ. Meditate on Christ. Think on the person of Jesus Christ. So first principle, in living a victorious life, make a decision today to stand firm. Come what may, stand firm. The second one is this, and I loved what Chris brought earlier about her connect group that decided to pray for her. Because the second point is this, for living a victorious life is learn to pray. But I'm just going to add a word off the back of pray. I'm going to put the word corporately. Learn to pray corporately. Verse 3 of our passage today says this. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Chris put it brilliantly this morning where she said, my connect group came together to pray. Do you know what? There are some weights that you are not designed to carry on your own. There are some weights that are designed for us to be carried with many people. I don't remember much of my time at infant school, uh, because I was an infant, uh, but I remember a visit of a fire engine. And uh, we got every single one of us got an opportunity to go and sit in the cab of the fire engine, which was amazing, except for Howard. Because Howard was given the task of standing outside the fire engine holding the fireman's axe. Now, as a five-year-old or a four-year-old, I can't remember exactly how old I was. And um, for the purpose of exaggeration, I want to make sure that this axe feels very heavy. Uh, But for a five-year-old, this axe was very heavy. And I stood there holding the base of the axe was on the floor and I was just holding the handle of it. Seeing all of my friends go to the cab of the um, fire engine and then my arms get more and more tired. I remember my arms getting more and more tired until the point where I burst into tears. And as a five-year-old, all of your classmates are looking at you burst into tears. And my teachers then did an incredible thing that actually has stuck with me. They asked a couple of other friends to come and stand and hold the axe with me. And all of a sudden, I had companionship, but also the weight was now shared. And there's an incredible principle in that very image there, that actually there are some weights that we're not designed to carry on our own. That is why God places us into family. That's why the body of Christ, one of the other analogies is we are a family. Together we walk life together. And as Chris said, that's what the purpose of connect groups are. We spend life in small groups in order that in seasons that we have to journey where the weight is particularly hard and heavy, there are more of us to share that weight amongst us. The power of corporate prayer. Prayer is an incredible tool for you and I to, uh, to bring into and develop in our lives. I love the testimony we had this morning. You know, Not really prayed much as an adult, but then I started to pray at night. And the evidence and the fruit of my prayer at night is actually sat here in the room. I see it in the room. And also, I saw it through the journey that I had to walk through that God was preparing me for. Prayer individually is an incredible tool. But prayer corporately, together, 
is something that God has designed for you and I to take new positions of strength and uh, overcoming. And I believe that God wants to call us as a church to prayer. New Testament examples of this. Acts chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 5 says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter in prison, behind prison walls, and the church walls, and the church gather together to earnestly pray for him. Church, I want to encourage you to gather together to pray. I want to encourage you to gather together for this nation to pray. I want you to gather together for Wyndham to pray. I want you to gather together to pray because there's power that when we corporately pray, make sure in your connect groups every week you pray for one another. Stand together and pray. Make sure you've got um, prayer friends that you know I can call on that person if I need prayer. Don't walk isolated. Walk together in all of this. Matthew 18 verse 19 says this. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Do you know what? When we agree in the spirit realm, when we stand together in agreement in prayer, it's done. Father is doing it for us. So powerful. So today, stand firm. Number two, pray, but pray corporately as well. Number three, seek a word from God. The living word of God is not solely a book for you to go to, to be developed as a disciple of Christ. It is the sword that he gives you to walk through battles. It is the belt of truth. It is the living, breathing word of God. Don't allow the Bible, the word of God, to become just a reference point for you or something that you return to when you need kind of like a a moment of support or help or just leave it gathering dust on the side in your living room or somewhere like that. But allow and foster a love for the word of God. Because actually when you begin, as Billy Graham says, to assimilate the word of God, to allow it to become the very language of your spirit and your heart, when you know that you've got scriptures that you can draw upon that are as real for you as every other thing that comes out of your mouth, when you just know that it's in you and you're breathing it, that's what God wants you to do with his word. It is food for you. It is a lamp to your path. It is all of these wonderful, wonderful gifts. Verse 14 to 17 of our passage today says this, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, and all the other sons he was of. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I love the prophetic. I love hearing and receiving prophetic words over the church. But I want to encourage you today, as New Testament Christians, that we have a living, breathing word to go to that is speaking to us all the time, and that is the word of God. Don't become passive 
um, disciples of Christ who uh, say it's all done by the Spirit and by God who breathes new words to me, but become active words, uh, active um, Christians, active in the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to become rich and true for you personally. Allow it to inform your connect groups. Allow it to inform our Sunday services. Allow it to inform your work practice. Allow it to inform your relationships. Allow it to become the thing that you uh, live and absorb and breathe, the word of God. And then also wait on God for the prophetic, words that speak into a season, words that are confirmed by the word of God and words that speak into you in this season. You know, maybe today you need to hear the word of God that says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army or this diagnosis, or this job situation, or this thing over the town in this season, or this Brexit word. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Receive that this morning as your word. Get to know the word. Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 22 says this, My son or my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not, them, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. The word of God is truth. It's spoken about in uh, the um, armor of God to us as a belt of truth. Where truth as a belt around you. The word of God is true. There are so many things in our life that you will face that are factually correct, but there is a higher truth above those factually correct things. Let me remind you of a few things. So for those of us who are factually facing sickness in our life, there's a higher truth. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, he himself, talking of Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. That's the truth over the facts that we're facing. Maybe for some of you are facing financial worry in this season. Philippians 4 verse 19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's the truth that is higher than the facts that we're currently facing. Isaiah 43, for those of us maybe facing loss today, Verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So today, allow the word of God to become the truth that you hold higher than the facts that you see. So thirdly, today, seek a word from God. And then fourthly, and this is, I believe, where Jehoshaphat drew upon some of the um, incredible skills and things that he'd been exposed to in his uh, upbringing or his formative years. Because my fourth point in living a victorious life is praise. Praise. Let praise be on your lips. You see, often in our society, in our culture, praising God is quite easy when everything's going well. Drawing praise and praise celebrations where we've got things to celebrate are often pretty easy. But in the midst of a battle or in the midst of facing a, um, a vast army is against me, 
Is praise the first thing that we go to? Do we praise the one who is unchanging, who is yesterday, today, and forever the same, when our circumstances look different? I want to encourage you through this passage today that praise should be one of our weapons, should be one of our go-to mechanisms. I understand praise through Scripture as a key or a gateway to the presence of God. In the Psalms, it talks about enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. The um, gates of the tabernacle were the place where you would enter through, ultimately, on the journey towards his presence. And praise, for us, is a mechanism to entering in to his presence. But let's pick it up in this scripture from today. Verse 20 to 22 says this. Early in the morning, they, that's um, Jehoshaphat and the whole armies that he's walking with, left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. So this is before they've even faced the other armies. Okay, So this is praise of God taking place before the battle. They didn't know what they were going into. They had faith in the God who said, this isn't your battle. You're not going to have to face it. Well, I'm going to face this for you. But they still had to bring praise before they were walking into it. And then it says this, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they began to sing praise, and the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. There's something very powerful in this. As they were praising God, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. What an incredibly powerful moment of time. As they were praying, ambushes of the Lord were set against the enemy. Darlene, chokes, uh, Darlene Check says this about praise. Praise is a declaration, a victory cry, proclaiming faith to stand firm in the place God has given you. Praise is a proclamation that the enemy's intent to plunder you will not rock you. Praise declares that you will not be moved by the enemy's attempt to snatch you away. Praise extends beyond what you feel, how your week has been, how your day has been, whether you have much or little, it allows you to go straight to the magnificent reality of Christ, our glorious Lord and King of Kings. So point number four, praise. And then our final two points today follow really quickly uh, off the back of each other. The, The fifth point is this, remember the battle belongs to the Lord. Remember the battle belongs to the Lord. Our song says this, our faith is in you, the battle is yours, the battle is yours. So often in our contemporary Christian world, we make the battle about us, whereas actually we have to lift our eyes to the one who is already victorious. We are the ones who live under the victory of the cross. The cross has already done it all. It is a finished, done, completed work. When Jesus ascended, he went to the right hand of the Father and he sat down. He sat down next to the Father to declare it's finished, it's done. The only time I need to come back is when I am returning to the earth. It's the time I do not now need to do any more. The cross has done it. For you and I to live in the power of the victory of the cross, we have to have a revelation of the done, finished, completed work of the cross. Sometimes our circumstances don't align themselves with that, 
but that is for us to remind our circumstances that there is one who is victorious, and his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 15 of our passage says this, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle has been won. I stand today to remind us, as the body of Christ in this place, that the battle is won. The battle over Wyndham has been won. The power of death and destruction has been broken. Jesus Christ is victorious. The battle over your life has been won. The battle over sickness has been won. The battle over death has been won. The battle over loss has been won. We need to be people living in the victory of that who remember and remind ourselves, stand daily and say, actually, Jesus, I acknowledge you're victorious. You're sovereign. You're over all things. Let's not be people who live our lives as the victims, but let's be people who live our lives in the victorious power of God. And the final point today, and now rejoice, rejoice. So remember and rejoice. Our song says this, from the field of battle into greater blessing, nothing left to fear now. I loved what we sang this morning. I'm no longer slave to fear. I'm a child of God. The very heart and essence of that is a word of rejoicing. It's a rejoicing knowing who I am. I am a child of God. Today I stand with a spirit of rejoicing in who I am. Not to do with my circumstances, not to do with how I feel this morning, but because of what my Savior has done for me upon the cross. I can stand and rejoice. And when I remember that the battle is his, and the victory is already purchased for me, I can live from a place of full awareness that he is the victor, and I am the one today who can just rejoice in who he is. We should be those who live with a well of joy within us. Don't get confused. Joy isn't happiness. Okay, Joy is a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit. And it lives in each and every one of us. And we got to cultivate it and allow it to grow. Um, but really, what I want us to be is a rejoicing people. I'd love to encourage you today to be a rejoicing people. Rejoice in all circumstances. The great, um, the great um, scripture says, you know, rejoice. Again, I say it. Rejoice. Seems fairly obvious to me. Come on then, let's rejoice. Let's be people who rejoice. You know, the world needs a rejoicing people. It needs a people who show what it is to live from joy. Understand what it is in living in a place of turmoil or living in a place of stress, what it is to be a people who rejoice. That's the privilege that you and I have, to walk into work tomorrow or to walk into your supermarket and to walk into a nursing home, or to walk into your doctor's surgery when you're facing a diagnosis, and to carry a rejoicing spirit into that place. It'll transform atmospheres. You know, when you are facing a loss, and your testimony is, but God is good, that's a conversation starter. It's a conversation starter because people can't figure that out. We can't work out that. Shouldn't be rejoicing in this battle or in this set of circumstances. Our passage today said this. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Now, of course, you and I live in the victory of the cross. The Lord has given us cause 
to rejoice over our enemies. Every waking moment of every single day, the Lord has given us cause to rejoice. So today, stand up. Some principles for what it is to live in a life of victory. You and I are called to be overcomers. We're called to be those who live in the victory. Can I encourage you today, as you go from this place, to take those six thoughts, take them away, ponder on them, pray them through, walk them out in your connect group, chat them through with friends, and actually challenge each other. You know, how are we doing on praying corporately? What does it look like for you to stand up? What does it look like for you to receive a word from God? What does it look like to remember the battle is the Lord? What does it look like to praise? Are we a praising people? And finally, what does it look like to rejoice? What does it live like, look like to be a people living from a place of rejoicing? Church, I'd love us to pray today. And uh, we're going to pray a prayer that we pray week in, week out here at Alive. Because we want to give you an opportunity today as Billy Graham said in those few pointers to make sure that you've got full knowledge and confidence that you're right with God. We call this becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus, of becoming a Christ follower, a Christian. We want to help you become that, become what we call a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And the first way, the gateway to that is to say a prayer. It's a prayer to acknowledge, actually, I've got it wrong on my own. And I want to accept a Lord and Savior of my life and to start what I would consider to be the most adventurous journey of your whole life. I made this decision years and years ago. Many of you in this room also did the same. But I want us today, for those people who have not yet made that decision, to give an opportunity to do it. The prayer's on the screen. We're all going to say the prayer together. And at the end of the prayer, I'd love us just to bow our heads. And as we bow our heads, I'm just going to ask anybody in here who's said this prayer for the very first time and today wants to indicate to me that you're going to make a decision to turn from doing it on your own and say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And as you do at the end, then I'll come and say hi to you. And I think we've perhaps got a little book here for you as well uh, just to help you make that decision. So come on then, church. Let's say this prayer together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I lived my life without you and I've messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Let's just bow our heads. Is there anyone today who's made the decision to say, I want to turn from doing this on my own, and I want to follow Jesus? And I've said that prayer for the very first time. If there is, would you just raise your hand for me? Because I'd love to come and chat with you at the end. Maybe bring a book to you to help you start that journey. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Alive Wyndham, it's been an honor and privilege to be with you. It's so good to see how you're doing, and um, it's great to gather together, and uh, I'm believing for great, great things over this town in the coming months and years. And um, let's go from this place, taking those six principles and beginning to adopt them into our lives so that we know either we're prepared for battle or we're walking through battle well. But in all seasons of life, we've learned what it is, or at least some principles of living in the victory. 
God bless you. And uh, love to pray with you and uh, chat with you at the end of the service. God bless.